what we call in Ayurveda as Agni. Now, Agni is our digestive fire. So imagine that you have a stovetop, you know, you have the flame on the stovetop. And let's say that you're, you're about to cook food, so you want a nice bright flame to come on. And you're going to cook food three times a day, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. So you want that flame to be nice and bright and be able to cook your food so that, you know, you can properly assimilate and digest it. That flame is a, a good example of our inner digestive fire. That fire can get either diminished or it can, um, it can grow into excess or it can get deranged. And if we don't take care of our inner fire, we don't properly digest our foods. Now, some of the things that lead to this would be improper eating habits, skipping meals, overeating, stress eating, fasting for long periods of time if, you're, if you don't have the health to do it, um, extra, uh, excess stress, um, lack of you know, proper circulation and movement. So a number of things can lead to this. It's, it's, I'm, I'm seeing it now almost as an epidemic in our society. If you suffer from digestive issues such as bloating, gas, constipation, or acid reflux, you know how much of a challenge it can be to figure out why it is happening and how to address it. We are excited to offer a conversation today with Amita Jain, a doctor of Ayurvedic medicine, certified Hatha yoga teacher, and certified clinical hypnotherapist who works with her patients on long-term digestive complications, autoimmune disorders, severe skin problems, and much more. My name is Dr. Andrew Wong, co-founder of Capital Integrative Health. This is a podcast dedicated to transforming the consciousness around what it means to be healthy and understanding the root causes of both disease and wellness. It's how Ayurvedic medicine approaches digestive concerns and gut health and the steps that you can take in your diet and lifestyle to address long-standing digestive issues. We hope you enjoy this. Welcome Dr. Amitha Jane to the podcast today. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. Yes. Yeah, so um, Dr. Jane is a doctor of Ayurveda. I know you listened to the intro that we just did, but Dr. Jane, if you could just tell us a little bit about what drew you to become an Ayurvedic practitioner, uh, and we can talk about what Ayurveda is as well. But what do you enjoy most about, about what you do? Well, what drew me to Ayurveda is um, at a young age, I was um, very much into math and computers. And uh, at the time, not knowing anything about Ayurveda, but I loved it and was drawn to math because it just made so much sense. You know, A plus B equals C, C minus A equals B, and it's always going to be like that. And you you can always rely on that. So um, as I got older, you know, being born in an immigrant family, I was the only um, Indian in my high school with uh, 2,000 kids. And so you know, you start to question your identity and where you're from. And so I started to ask questions, you know, to my parents, and uh, they didn't have too much to say, honestly. Um, so I started looking into our scriptures, our ancient scriptures, and that led me to, uh, to realize that we have this wealth of spiritual knowledge coming out of the East. And I kept reading, and that led me to yoga philosophy, and yoga philosophy led me to uh, the scriptures on Ayurveda and health. And the amazing thing was that it just completely made sense to me. And Ayurveda is all on the principles of balance and balance equals health. So if you have, you know, a lot or an excess of some element in your body, it creates imbalance. So like plus like equals more of the same. And, you know, being mathematically minded, it just, 
it just drew me in. Uh, when I was 18, I knew I wanted to be an Ayurvedic doctor, but there were no schools at the time. And so I uh, pursued my uh, uh, education in engineering. And as soon as I got out of engineering school, um, I went to India thinking I'm, you know, going gonna, gonna to study Ayurveda. And uh, instead, I was led to a yoga ashram and I spent time there and then, you know, slowly, slowly uh, got into more studies of Ayurveda. But that's kind of what got me into it. It's just it was a, a medical system that made, you know, complete sense. And and like we were talking before we started recording, there seems to be some some a lot of similarities and overlap between Ayurveda as a as a whole person, you know, systems based medicine, kind of a way of kind of blending the art and science essentially. And and some of the things we do in our clinic like functional medicine, you know, looking to, to the root causes, so treating symptoms and root causes. Is that mm-hmm. is that kind of what Ayurveda does Ab- as well? Absolutely. So yeah. we um in in fact Ayurveda is holistic in the sense that we actually address um the, the, the mind, the body, the spirit, um, and the energetic body of a human being, uh, almost as the root cause, you know, considering the body as a blueprint of really what's happening at an energetic level. So in that respect, we use a number of different modalities to help you know, bring, that, uh, bring the patient back to balance. You know, it's not just treating symptoms or treating what we see on the surface. So absolutely, there are a lot of similarities, it sounds like, between what, uh, what we both do. And if there's energetic imbalance, which we can't always see on lab tests, that's, that's the thing. You know, it's, right. it's hard. You know, sometimes you can catch it, sometimes you can't sort of like needle in a haystack. Even when we do like cortisol testing, it's like, well, sometimes it's there, sometimes absolutely. it's not. But you know, like when that person walks in the room, if there's energetic imbalance, you're going you're gonna to feel that. Yes. And people come to us usually when they have gone through doctor after doctor, center after center, having taken numerous comprehensive lab tests and being told that um, there's nothing wrong with them, yet they are having symptoms, they're not feeling like themselves, you know, they're experiencing tremendous amount of fatigue or body pain. That's the point where they kind of lost all hope and they said, okay, let me, you know, let me try this holistic approach. And they come to us and we're able to tell them that, no, you do have imbalances. And it's like, they have this, this like relief that, okay, I'm not, it's not all in my head. I'm not going crazy because you're right. We don't rely on lab tests as, you know, the whole answer. Yeah. Yeah. And and there was something that I just read about the mind body and how there's a part of the brain that they've just discovered that is kind of connecting the mind body. So, you know, how we always talk about mind body connection and and holistic medicine. It's almost like the mind and body are really linked inextricably together. That's right. Which is what really the science of Ayurveda and and yoga is, correct? Yeah. And oftentimes, especially with very serious chronic illness, we will always link it back to some sort of mental imbalance and you know, caused by you know childhood trauma or severe amounts of anxiety or stress, negative thought patterns. You know, almost always you'll see that connection, and which, that's what we start with first. You know, that that's okay. where we look at in terms of treatment first. Which then affects the biology, which then affects what we might see on the surface exactly. when, when they come. People come see us. Mm-hmm. So today, um, 
I mean, we, we want to talk about digestion. You know, we know that the gut is, you know, Hippocrates in the West said, you know, the digestive tract or the gut is sort of the foundation of health. That's kind of where things start, where health starts, that's where health begins, where disease begins. And so yeah. we're just kind of curious in, in, in the Ayurvedic tradition how Ayurveda looks at gut health, looks at digestion, and, and how Ayurvedic medicine approaches digestive issues. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, now we're reading a lot more of scientific studies proving the connection between our gut health and our physical health. Well, Ayurveda being a practice that ages over 4,000 years, uh, they knew that right right from the beginning. In fact, um, all disease, according to Ayurveda, has its roots in the gut, and that's where disease starts. You know, so we have these various um, bioenergies, and they will start planting the seeds of disease in our digestive tract. And so if we are wise enough and aware enough to pick up on those imbalances right when they start, Ayurveda calls that the first stage of disease, we can actually prevent the disease from progressing. So in, in our practice, we work first on gut health, you know, and it's, it, you'd be surprised at how much healing can be done by simply addressing gut issues. Yeah, yeah, but, sure. but we kind of ignore those things, right? Oh, a little bit of, you know, gas or bloating or constipation or, you know, we just sort of go through our busy lives and not, not stop to pay attention and think, wait a minute, maybe I need to do something about this, you know? And then in Ayurveda, we say, well, now these toxins start to move through the body and we get into the second and third stages of diseases, approaching autoimmune illness. And by that time, it gets a lot more difficult to treat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so these subtle signs are almost the body's friendly way of reminding us, hey, there's some imbalance here. Can you work on me for right. a minute before it gets to the deeper stage? That's right. Yeah. Um, also, we know that in functional medicine, I, I suppose this would also be the same in Ayurveda. If, if someone has a skin issue or a joint issue or a, a brain issue like a headache or um, fatigue or you know something like that, that, that some of those things can also be tied back to the gut, sort of Absolutely. like the gut health affects the system health? Absolutely. Okay. Great. Um, what digestive conditions do you and your staff tend to work with the most? Uh, we, you know, all the whole spectrum, um, ulcer, ulcerative colitis, Crohn's, gastritis, um, severe forms of constipation. I've seen clients who've been constipated for over 40 years. Nothing has worked for them. Um, uh, loose stools uh, due to anxiety, um, urgency to use the bathroom right after eating. Uh, really the whole the whole gamut from mild all the way to very severe and chronic to the point where people are trying to perhaps avoid surgery yeah so a lot of a lot of different conditions from things that you would consider more common like constipation to things that are more serious like inflammatory bowel right. disease Crohn's and, and ulcerative colitis um, let's talk about constipation for a second because I know that you know um, I remember when my grandfather was alive, he said that the first thing is you got to make sure you go to the bathroom right. every day. Mm-hmm. So how do you make sure or how do you advise you know, your clients um, to have daily bowel movements and kind of regularity there? Yeah, so that that's one of the, the sort of primary discussions we have in our very first visit, bowel habits, you know, tell me about them. And now a lot of these clients are being told by doctors that it's perfectly normal to go to the bathroom once in three days. You know, you're not constipated unless you go five to seven days without a bowel movement. So it's first that education and awareness that, no, you know, we have toxins in our body. We have waste. We have to eliminate these wastes through proper and regular bowel habits. You know, so we'll go through that. You know, we'll talk about diet. 
lifestyle and the mind and gut connection um, and how we can use simple techniques like breathing exercises, meditation, yoga uh, to help facilitate uh, good habits. I also try to tell my clients that, you know, you've got to educate your family and start with your children, you know, right at a young age, start to get them to be aware of the importance of having healthy bowel habits and to, t- to make time for that. So um, some of the patients that I've seen that have been struggling with constipation for many years started in childhood, holding back the urge to go to, the, to, to defecate, mm. um, not having education from their families, thinking that going to the bathroom was ew or yucky. And that never gets resolved, and it leads into these sort of permanent habits of the, the, the wiring and programming of our brains. And then, you know, like I said, these diseases get a bit more stubborn, and then they lead to what we call in Ayurveda, ama. Hmm. Okay, like the toxins and all That's of that. That's right. Okay. Um, also, I know that a lot of people do have what is conventionally called irritable bowel syndrome, you know, where they might have constipation, but they also might have more looser stools, diarrhea. How do, you, how do you address that? And I kind of specifically want to ask about parasites or mm-hmm. H. pylori or you know, any sort of bacteria, parasites, fungi. Um, how, do, how do you kind of look at that? Do you, do you use herbal antimicrobials or do you kind of mm-hmm. look at it more mm-hmm. from a terrain perspective? So to answer your first question, um, first we explain, uh, I kind of give an example to the client about what we call in Ayurveda as Agni. You know, Agni is our digestive fire. So imagine that you have a stovetop, you know, you have the flame on the stovetop. And let's say that you're, you're about to cook food, so you want a nice bright flame to come on. And you're going to cook food three times a day, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. So you want that flame to be nice and bright and be able to cook your food so that, you know, you can properly assimilate and digest it. That flame is a, a good example of our inner digestive fire. That fire can get either diminished, or it can, um, it can grow into excess, or it can get deranged. And if we don't take care of our inner fire, we don't properly digest our foods. Now, some of the things that lead to this would be improper eating habits, skipping meals, overeating, stress eating, fasting for long periods of time if, you're, if you don't have the health to do it, um, extra, uh, excess stress, um, lack of, you know, proper circulation and movement. So a number of things can lead to this. It's, it's, I'm, I'm seeing it now almost as an epidemic in our society. So what happens now, a lot of people are coming in with this deranged Agni, and it's about explaining them how to respect your body's natural rhythms and eat at proper times. You know, there's, there is a window of eating when our digestive fire comes on the strongest. And as you probably know, when the sun is the brightest, our own Agni is the strongest. And so that's why we want to have lunch between the hours of noon and 1.30 to 2 p.m. You don't want to have lunch at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. You definitely don't want to push dinner into the night because when the sun goes down, our Agni goes down. Okay. And now, of course, we're seeing, you know, studies showing that when you eat late at night, you're going to have improper sleep, that food's going to turn to fat, you're going to wake up feeling groggy. So that's the one thing we're trying to, you know, teach all of our clients is you've got to take care of this digestive fire. Now, when that uh, fire gets deranged, and I mentioned this concept of ama, toxins, these toxins start in our gut and then start to move through our body. 
And the, this, these toxins can lead to um, candida. They can, le- they can lodge in the joints and lead to arthritic pain, osteoarthritis. And it, they can lodge into the brain and cause neurocognitive dysfunction like brain fog and memory loss um, and uh, a host of other issues. So even in a case of um, bacterial infection, uh, as you mentioned, or candida, we're looking at uh, getting back to strengthening Agni, and that's where we use effective Ayurvedic uh, ancient uh, formulas and remedies. So these herbs are, are excellent at um, helping to uh, proliferate that healthy gut back bacteria and to get rid of uh, candida, building up our gut army, um, and helping to eradicate bacteria, um, bacterial infections in the gut. But that alone, you know, is not going to do the job. So it's, it's yeah. part of a lifestyle training that you're going to take these herbs, but along with that, we're going on a strict diet for the next three to four months. Right. We're going on a strict eating routine. routine. Um, it can't just be the herbs. It can't just yeah. be the herbs. Yeah. That's right. Uh, so it's a whole plan. Uh, it's a whole ed- a system of education. And, you know, it's, sometimes it's a tough conversation because the clients are getting so much you know, other information on the internet and on Google and, you know, there's keto diet and there's intermittent fasting and then there's, you know, all this. And so, but when they understand what's actually happening inside their gut, it's like a light bulb. Oh, I get it. Yes, I can relate to this. And that's why Ayurveda makes so much sense. Well, I think I'd rather go to Dr. Jane than Dr. Google, but uh, <laughs> anyway, yes. So I have some semi-funny questions and some more serious questions. So one of the semi-funny questions I have is I love this Indian buffet out in um, Germantown, but then we're talking about Agni and how it's better to eat at a certain time, don't eat too much. What do you what do you think about as a as a doctor of Ayurveda, what do you think about buffets and, and sort of these type of all-you-can-eat, you know, mm-hmm. I'm going to stuff as many pakoras on my plate as possible, <laughs> you know, all-you-can-eat mango lassi, right? What are your thoughts about about these type of things? So let's say, for example, you're a person with strong agni, okay, meaning you're having good regular bowel habits, you're able to digest your food, you're uh, without ama or toxins. Um, generally, people like that, hey, every once in a while, you want to go to the buffet, go to town and stuff yourself, you know, you'll you'll heal from it. Every it, once in a while. That's Once in a while. Once That's in a right. while. You know, okay. you want to yeah. treat yourself right. um, once a month or so. You know what? You're you're gonna you're gonna recover from it. Where it becomes um, more of an issue are the people who have weak agnes, you know, okay. weaker digestion. Yeah. Now they don't recover as quickly, and that overeating from that buffet, they're just now accumulating toxins in their body, and they're gonna feel the effects the next day. Mm-hmm. They're groggy. They're slow. They're tired. They have brain fog. They're not clear, alert. All of those things, you know tend to manifest pretty quickly. So it, it just comes back to what your personal d- digestive condition is and what we call your uh, your dosha prakriti or your sort of natural birth constitution mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and how you can handle these different foods. So uh, uh, someone with a quote-unquote heavier dosha like a kapha dosha might right. might be less likely to to handle that absolutely. kind of buffet. Okay. That's absolutely. Okay. Um, and then wondering about, um, I know here we say a lot about like chewing your food and, you know, chewing slowly. So what does Ayurveda say about the amount of uh, number of chews per bite, if, if that's even something, you know, yep. uh, that, that you would recommend there? Yeah. Ayurveda says that digestion starts in our mouth. 
It all mm-hmm. starts with chewing. The number of teeth equals the number of bites you take. Okay. Um, okay. I know that's hard to sit and count 32 times. It, it is. Um, <laughs> it is a lot. But, but uh, I, I have noticed, and it is hard, honestly, because I'm like, I, I love this food. I just want to, like, eat as much yes. as I can. But um, it does make a difference. I mean, I can feel it in my in my stomach. You know, it's like that. Absolutely. So. And, and the, the idea is that you want the food to become liquid in the mouth. Okay. And that's why weak agni, yeah. what we do is we tell people, hey, start having soups. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Because that's already liquid. It's, it's kind easier. of pre-digested. Yes. Okay. That's okay. right. Got it. Um, I'm curious about the herbs. I know this is a question that kind of comes up sometimes in our practice with, with herbs or even like we might recommend different oils and, and things like that. Um, a lot of times we're asking if companies test for heavy metals or contaminants. What are your thoughts on that, on the herbs that, that you know, are sourced from, wow. say, India or China or, That's you know, right. wherever? Yeah. It is... Um, it's a good question because it is a serious concern, and we, we really do have to be cautious and careful from where our herbs are being sourced. And, of course, you know, a lot of these classical formulas of Ayurveda come out of India, um, but uh, there's a huge concern of heavy metals and pollutants in wild-crafted herbs, which is sort of the thing now, you know, wild-harvested. Mm-hmm. You know, that's not necessarily yeah. a good thing. Organic, you know, is now it's now coming up. Uh, and there's more and more third-party testing being done. But uh, generally, you want to go with reliable, reputable companies that that do a lot of uh, testing on, on all the batches of drugs that go out. So yeah. it is something we need to be need to be careful about in the same way that we choose our foods, we choose local, we choose organic. Uh, same with the herbs. Choose good companies, um, you know, and then, and then the other thing is uh, really for some sort of gut plan, I think a lot of people ask, and this might be individualized but you know um so they might ask you i mean like how long will it take me if i'm on a certain nutrition plan and herbal plan and lifestyle plan to heal my gut or to feel better and Mm -hmm. and kind of maybe it's individualized for each person Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah so um it can take anywhere from um generally three to six months okay uh stubborn case of candida can take longer uh, Crohn's um, severe cases can take uh, nine to twelve months uh, with an Ayurvedic protocol. Yeah, yeah, that that makes sense. I mean, healing takes time, and you know the way I was taught too is that the longer something has been going on, it, it yeah. takes longer to heal. It takes so longer to heal. Patience is virtue in this situation. That's right. But at least we're getting to the root cause, and you're getting to real healing as opposed right. to just you know suppressing symptoms. Right. Exactly. Well, I see you have a beautiful purple piece of clothing on, and this reminds me of um, something that happened to me a long time ago when I was at a doctor, and they gave me something called the purple pill because mm-hmm. I thought I had reflux, you know? Mm. So there's a pharmaceutical that they advertise as the purple pill, mm. you know? And um, so so I took it one time, and then I was like, you know what? This doesn't really feel right to me. I think I'm going to try nutrition. I'm going to try some things on my lifestyle to change that mm. when I didn't need that. So we want to talk about acid reflux. That's another area on the gut that, you know, the number one, number two sellers, I think, a lot of times for for drugs are, are these, like, proton pump inhibitors, yes. also called acid blockers. Um, what do acid blockers do to the agni, to the digestive fire? Are there other more natural ways uh, to treat acid reflux? Yeah, we. Uh, it's a very common condition that we see in our clinic, and... Um, PPIs really do destroy our healthy gut bacteria, and they also weaken greatly our agni. Um, So even though the patient thinks they're feeling better, 
actually when they come off the PPI symptoms can come back much, much worse than before. So what we're trying to do is educate the, the patient and the difference between what the PPI is trying to do and what our herbs are trying to do. So if there's um, inflammation for, for gastritis, what we want to do is reduce that inflammation so that they're not having the acid reflux symptoms. And so we do that the combination of uh, wonderful uh, time-tested proven herbs from Ayurveda that are very mild, that work over time, um, and a diet. So we will we will put them on a strict diet. You got to cut out sour. You got to cut out citrus, oily, and very spicy foods, um, which is often the toughest, especially yeah. from the Indian community. Yeah, There's, yeah, it's like part love, of every love, meal. Love the foods, yeah. But yeah. the healing is quite dramatic when what, they take that approach. What about dairy? Where, where does dairy fit into to acid reflux? Um, so dairy, uh, there are certain types of dairy. There are categories. Uh, for example, cheese will aggravate acid reflux. In Ayurveda, if you have a good quality of pure milk, which difficult to get here, uh, but if you can get your hands on some um, non-homogenized uh, local uh, healthy milk, then it can actually help pacify some of the reflux symptoms. Mm-hmm. There is a good brand that I saw at Mom's called um, A2. It's like okay. the A2 version. Mm-hmm. That's right, A2. Um, um, there's also milk from, I don't know if you've heard of uh, the Trickling Springs yeah. local creamery. Yeah, yeah. yeah. okay. Yeah. Non-homogenized. Non-homogenized, right? yeah. yes. So it's yes. hard to pour because it's like super creamy or yes. something like that. Yes. Yeah. yeah. What about ghee? Is that considered okay there for, say, someone with reflux or bloating? Yes, yes. Okay. Ghee, yes. Um, other oils we try to uh, we try to reduce, but, okay. uh, but ghee okay. is very soothing to the digestive tract. Yes. Um, and then uh, th- this is not a medical treatment podcast, so you know we just want to say that disclaimer. I'm just curious how you would treat someone that has reflux symptoms but also may have, and they're on a PPI, let's say, a proton pump inhibitor, but they also have endoscopic evidence of ulcers or Barrett's mm-hmm. esophagus. Like what's mm-hmm. the Ayurvedic mm-hmm. thought about that? So we get into this situation where uh, if we prescribe our herbs – and they're on these PPIs, the herbs actually don't take effect because they're working in different ways. So what we do is we start them on uh, a diet, uh, breathing exercises because uh, breathing is very healing for the gut and for, and for ulcers, uh, and some yoga. And then we also teach them sort of um, uh, affirmations, positive affirmations. And so they're starting the healing process. And at the same time, they work with their physicians to slowly and gradually taper off the PPI. And then when they're, when they're finally off, because they're feeling somewhat better already, um, then we start introducing the herbs, and that's where the real change comes in. So the herbs can do their work in um, healing some of these ulcers, and uh, slowly and, and gradually the, the, the patient starts to feel a lot better. And, and you know, we do regular follow-ups with them and and feedback with them so that we know we're we're on the right track. But uh, depending on, you know, the the severity, you know, time ranges. Mm-hmm. And this is a little bit of a sidebar, but you know, we like rabbit holes on this podcast too. Um, when when someone is kind of working with you and they have, say, like a primary care practitioner or someone Western trained, you know, I'm West I'm Western trained, but also integratively trained. How do you work with with uh, those kind of doctors? You know, in terms of the patient may have their primary practitioners or mm-hmm. other 
other medical specialists. Mm -hmm. Well, I see all caretakers and practitioners, we're all a team together. We all have the end goal of of our patient getting better. So um, sometimes I will give some information to my client. They'll go back and, and discuss it with their physician. And I always try to encourage them to do that. You know, because sometimes physicians just, they don't, they may not have the same knowledge we have. I don't have the same knowledge they do. And so if I am giving them some herbs to take or even diet lifestyle changes, I'll say, you know, let's, let's have a conversation with your physician. And oftentimes when we approach it that way, physician's very open to it. And, you know, they'll just say, okay, if you're on these kind of prescriptions or medications, we want to avoid this. But, but they are generally very open and receptive. So I think that um, more and more physicians are starting to feel themselves that, uh, we got. We need a more elaborate, comprehensive team to the whole holistic and healing approach. Absolutely. This is a podcast on gut health and Ayurveda. But yesterday, I just saw a patient who said their thyroid was completely healed with Ayurveda. It's like mm-hmm. amazing. So there's so much that I think we can learn, and we can learn from working together in the service of of you know helping that patient yeah. get better. Yeah. Um, we also know that a lot of people have gas and bloating, which is a fourth you know concern in terms of digestion. What would you say to a patient that says, hey, Dr. Meath, I have some bloating and gas after each meal. Where do you go from there? Is that an agni issue or is that something else? Yeah, also very, very common now. Um, So after we've educated them on um, healthy eating habits, now we're also looking at hormones. Okay. And hormone panels, especially uh, women as they go through their natural transition in their 40s and early 50s, sometimes that uh, can cause um, onset of bloating and gas. Uh, sometimes a major life change, you know, changing a job or um, a hectic lifestyle. You know, you, you kind of like, as you mentioned, you forget to chew your food and you're sort of hurrying through eating. Um, but also, uh, even in, in men, men also go through hormonal changes and, and that can affect it. Uh, thyroid, uh, hypothyroidism can lead to gas and bloating. So now we're looking at, you know, the good thing is that, hey, they've, co- they've come in at the early stages of disease, you know, the first few symptoms, and that's exactly where we want to tackle things. Yeah. And I, I suppose you would also recommend, curious, uh, you know, I see a lot of people now eating uh, their lunches or, you know, they're kind of hurrying up and things yes. like that. They have the cell phone there. They're scrolling through the news. Oh, yes. It may not be. That's how my husband the... eats every night. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. We're calling out your husband here. Um, and uh, yeah, w- what are your thoughts on on things like, you know, distractions or watching TV while you're eating and those type of things? Yeah. Well, yeah. if you sit down with a meal and you actually look at your food before you eat, you look at the food and you smell your food, you're going to start producing the enzymes that you need to properly digest that food. And if you're taking bites and you're tasting and you're chewing, not only are you going to digest and assimilate better, but you are going to be acutely aware of what foods suit you and what don't. You're going to be able to listen to your body's natural response to various foods And you will become your own doctor because you will say, oh, my God, wait a minute. I thought that a salad would be good for me. But when I eat these raw foods, I feel bloated and gassy and I feel lethargic. And that's absolutely right. Not everyone has the ugly strength to digest a salad. And sometimes the salad can be the absolute worst thing you can eat. You know, but if you have a warm, cooked rice bowl with with lentils and vegetables that are fresh and cooked to soft and you eat that and you say I feel nourished I feel good I don't have bloating I feel light 
then guess what? You don't need to turn to, to Google or to anyone else to figure out what foods are right for you. You have that own intelligence, but you have to be alert and aware to be able to listen to what your body's telling you. So get off the cell phone, get off the TV, listen to your body, do some breathing, yes. chewing, looking at the food, yes. stimulating the enzymes. And it's it's difficult. It's yeah, hard. It's, it's sure. practice. Especially nowadays, right? Yeah. Yes. Well, I know traditional Chinese medicine, which I have some some background in, uh, that you know they're they're really big into you know ginger and kind of stimulating uh, and and you know hot foods and also eating seasonally. Mm-hmm. H- how is Ayurveda in terms of like you know temperature of foods and 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 maybe even like food combinations? You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. very yeah. big, very yeah. very important part of uh, of Ayurveda. And so we eat according to the times of the day and the seasons and according to our vikriti or our disease state or condition. So um, even the herbs, like you mentioned, ginger, ginger's an, uh, excellent uh, to heal a number of digestive issues for certain types of people. But ginger is also very heating, very dry. So it might not be the best herb in the middle of summer. Okay. Um, and similarly with seasons, as you said, we want to eat what's, what's local, what's growing. You know, we don't want to have pineapple or watermelon in winter. Our body's just not going to be able to produce the same enzymes to digest that food, even though they're, quote, healthy foods. Um, so the herbs according to, to time, day, season, and same with our foods. Got it. I have to talk about a superstar that we think about as a superstar, turmeric, um, you know, turmeric is something that we know in functional medicine can decrease some of the markers for chronic inflammation, like NF-kappa-beta, you know, can basically help a lot of people. But um, where are you with turmeric? And, you know, is that for everyone? Or where, where do you kind of see mm. turmeric in general? Well, excellent. Yeah, I, I really want to talk, talk on this topic. There's a lot of misinformation out there as well. Wonderful. One, one thing is that turmeric absolutely is the ultimate superfood. Um, especially for anti-inflammatory properties. It is excellent. However, because it is a superfood, it is so concentrated, so packed uh, with all these nutrients, we have to take it in small amounts. More is not better. What happens is I see people coming into my clinic and they're like, yeah, you know, I was diagnosed with this, this, this. I started taking turmeric. I've been taking, you know, one teaspoon every three hours, every four hours because so-and-so told me to do this. And they're worse off because, you know, like any other herb, it has its qualities and too much, you're going to go into excess. So we really need to take it in small doses. Um, There are different ways to take turmeric. You can take it as a paste. You can take it in food. You can take it with water. You can take it topically. Um, You can have it with ghee. You can have it with honey. So these are called anupanas, like how, uh, what mode of that that carrier, you know, are we using turmeric for? So we, it's got to be taken in the right dose and in the right form. The other thing I want to mention about turmeric is that a lot of this herb that we're getting here off the shelves lacks in, in curcumin. So curcumin, as you know, is the you know, cancer-fighting power in turmeric, and it's what gives turmeric its color. But because the uh, nutraceutical industry has captured, capitalized on curcumin, a lot of it is extracted out of the powder, and so they're selling the powder without curcumin in the stores, you know, adding, you know, coloring to it to give it its orange yeah. color. So we, we have to be ca- cautious about that. Also, I want to talk on 
curcumin extract supplements, not the same thing. Yes, they, uh, they're advertised as being more potent. Um, you will see you know, effects more quickly. And that is true in, to some degree. However, whenever you extract any property out of its whole, you're going to have side effects from it. So I see people too for joint pains. They've been taking curcumin for like eight months and now they have other issues. So my advice is, you know, take turmeric as a whole herb if you are taking it for sort of preventative, you know, therapies. Put it in your food as we do in classical Ayurveda in India. We've been using turmeric for thousands of years. You just add a quarter teaspoon into your food while cooking and you're going to get a lot just from that. And it's better absorbed with food, I believe, right? That is right. Right, turmeric? That is right. And if you do want to take it for therapeutic purposes, then see your Ayurvedic practitioner. Great. Got it. So um, this is all really great, you know, specific information and general information, too. Thank you so much, Dr. Amitha. Um, Do you have any recommendations for practices that that people listening here can incorporate at home for general digestive health? Let's say they they have nothing specific wrong right now. They just want to kind of optimize their agni, their digestion. What are some of the kind of top tips you're thinking in terms of how to to optimize their digestive health? Hmm. Okay. First thing upon waking two cups of warm to hot water. First thing. Coffee should not be the first thing that you put inside your body. Darn it. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> you can okay. have it. It comes later. All right. You're All drinking right. coffee first thing. You're hurting Agni. Okay. Two cups of warm to hot water. Um, the second thing is breakfast should be light and easy to digest. So if it's summer and you have good, juicy, sweet fruits, local, that's wonderful. Through the colder months, have some porridge. Um, I see a lot of people having very complicated breakfasts. Either they're, you know, having eggs and orange juice and, and, and toast with that. And you mentioned food combination. Ayurveda stresses a lot on the com- combining of foods. So the, the simpler you can make your meals, actually, the more benefit, the more nutrients you're going to extract from that. And you're going to put less burden on your digestive system. So I would say um, uh soupy type porridges in winter are great sweet fruits in summer are great uh fresh juices are wonderful in breakfast um and then your lunch should be your heaviest meal of the day a nice balanced meal of whole grains and you know vegetables and some protein would be wonderful and um not skipping breakfast i mean not skipping lunch uh lunch is when your agni is the strongest so if you start skipping or delaying lunch, you're going to derange your agni. Dinner, again, keep it light and keep it early. You know, if you can eat before 6 o'clock, you're going to do your body good. You're going to sleep well. You're going to feel much more energi- energized the next day. And I like to think of dinner as soups and stews, curries uh, with rice. You know, look, at, look towards some of the more Asian dishes. Um, and, uh, of course, in the, in the warmer months, in summers when Agni is naturally stronger, that's when you can have your salads. You can have a salad for lunch or breakfast. Okay. But, um, but don't, don't try to, uh, you know, eliminate the dressings. You know, have your olive oils, coconut oils, lemon juice as your dressings. The other thing I want to mention is not to have liquids with your meals. You, you, if you just make that one simple change... You're going to have a tremendous, you're going to see a, a great improvement in your digestion. 
and especially if you're having bloating or gas. Let's drill down on why that is. That's a really, really great point. So liquids, they put out our fire, right? You think Mm -hmm. about your flame on your stovetop, you're pouring water over it. And now you put in food and that that flame is is diminished. Whether it's cold or hot, like even if it's like a hot tea, that would still diminish or dilute it. That's right. That's right. So avoid with your food between meals. Uh, room temperature or warm fluids are the best. Have how, your herbal teas. How long to wait before or after meals? 30 minutes before a meal. Okay. And an hour after. Okay. Okay. Good to know. Good to know. I remember that uh, my dad owned a restaurant and all the all the cooks, you know, in the kitchen, they were like, yeah, they, they never drank any liquid with their meals. And I was yeah. like, oh, I guess that's probably why. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. If, if you go to India, you don't yeah. see people walking around with water bottles all the time. And it's like, you know, 110 mm-hmm. degrees in summer. Like this water like bottle. Like this huge water That's right. And that's because we get water out of our meals. So yeah. almost all Indian yeah. meals yeah. are going to have some type of dal or curry, mm-hmm. or in South India, they have sambar, which is uh, like a, a soup uh, with spices and vegetables. Oh, yeah, and... yeah, I've, I've had that. Well, I mean, those type of meals are more plant-forward or plant-centric. They, they probably have more hydration in them. Absolutely. Anyway, yeah. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Great, great. Um, so all these things are really, really helpful. Um, I think that, you know, the water bottle has its place, but maybe between meals, it sounds like. That's right. Yeah. Between meals. Okay. Between meals. And, and and include healthy oils in your diet. I just cannot stress the importance of that because our colon gets dry yeah. often yeah. from, okay. you know, various stress and activities. But healthy oils, key is wonderful. Coconut oil, unrefined virgin is wonderful. Olive oil, avocado oil, include those in your diet. That's so great. Um now, part of our mission here at Sage is making integrative healthcare more accessible and focusing on the small steps steps we can do to improve our health. I know that you know you created your your company Vedic Health as a nonprofit to to you know serve people in a deeper way, make this type of natural medicine more accessible, which is really great. So kudos to you for that. Mm-hmm. Love to hear from you. What is one thing, Doctor Mita, that under $20, you know, I had a guest come on one time and said, oh, can it be under $100? Because there's a lot of inflation now. But um, what is one thing under $20 yeah. that you feel has transformed your health and, you know, you feel like maybe could benefit our listeners? Mm. Boy, that's tough because I can think of so many that are actually free. Yeah, um, yeah okay. that's, so, that's under 20 That's under that's 20 under, Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm to give you three things. Awesome. Great. Okay, Got number two, one. Two bonuses. Can't stress the importance of deep breathing. Okay. It's free. Yes. It's easy. No one needs to know you're doing it. And the effects are just remarkable. Learn how to do it correctly. Okay. Take a pranayama class. Okay. Uh, I do I do teach a pranayama class for many years. And, uh, and pranayama their, their, means what? Just for listeners? Um, what does that mean? It's the science of breathing. Okay. Science of breathing. breathing. So okay. pranayama, deep breathing is free. That's so great. It's going to give you energy. That's right. Yeah. Um, the second thing I want to say is uh, Ayurveda's classical super herb for digestion. Okay. Um, is called triphala. Triphala, yes. You've heard of triphala. It's yes. being more, more and more used now. More popular, um, yeah. Yeah, and it's a combination of three Indian fruits uh, in their whole form, just dried. And triphala is excellent for digestion. It's, it's also known as a rasayana, which is um, kind of like something we can take for our general health, for maintenance, for prevention. Um, but it is just, it's so good um in you know helping keep our healthy bacteria, our gut micro- microflora, our digestive tract working, um, keeping out invaders and pathogens, but it's also good for a number of other things. You know, for our eye health and for our uh, for our deep tissues. So 
Uh, Trifula can be taken very safely by um, almost everyone. It's such a mild herb. It works over time. So do some research on Trifula. And, um, you know, you could start with a quarter teaspoon uh, at night in a cup of warm water. Just okay. drink it before go- you go to bed. Okay. And especially in cases of constipation, uh, gassiness, bloating, um, you will see a, uh, a big improvement with that. And the third thing I want to talk about is um, some simple yoga asanas. So people think that, you know... To get the most out of yoga, you have to go to a studio, you have to do a whole hour's class. And you have to buy um, the sweatpants. You have, to right? buy, <laughs> you, have to, you have to fit into these tight yoga pants or you have to go to Lululemon and look cool. No. Um, there's actually three asanas and that you can do easily at home on a daily basis that actually help to stimulate a lot of the sort of peristaltic, as peristaltic movement and, um, and, and nourish and rejuvenate uh, our internal uh, digestive organs. So a simple one is child's pose. I love that pose. Believe it or not, it is incredibly, it's like, it's like giving your whole gut a massage, mm. a deep tissue massage. So get into child's pose, hold it for a minute. Um, and then the other one is cobra pose. Okay. Oh, that's the one where you go up with the, yeah. Um, so you're, you're, you're on a mat. You have to be on the floor for that one, correct? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. Be lying down. Um, and then uh, when, you're in, when you're lying in bed, um, if you can't get into a child's pose and you just pull your knees up to your chest. Okay. And what that, it's also known in yoga as the wind relieving pose. Okay. So it's very effective at reducing, you know, gassiness and mm-hmm. just helps you kind of sleep better, uh, calms down nervous activity. So just yeah. pulling your, your knees into your chest like a, like a ball. Mm-hmm. And um, the key is to hold these poses and to breathe slowly and deeply while you're doing them. So holding it for a minute. A minute. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I notice sometimes doing child pose even like at my desk if I don't have a mat, you know, just putting the forehead on there. Would that also kind of count as a yes. semi-modified yes. pose? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is great. I, I think that's a really key point about the asanas is it sounds like holding it there to get the benefit from them mm-hmm. more than just, you know, how like in flow sometimes it's just like, oh, do that. And then like three seconds later, oh, you got to go to another pose, right. kind of like Gumby or something. Oh, that's so, right. Yeah. Not that. I mean, I enjoy flow, but then on the other hand, yeah. I don't know how relaxing it is for the digestion. That's right. And, yeah. and the therapeutic benefits, as you said, come from holding these poses. So when you pull your knees into your chest, you're essentially squeezing out blood you know stagnant blood you're squeezing out and you're you're forcing energy to move out Mm -hmm. of these digestive organs and then when you come out of it and you're resting now Mm -hmm. that's also key in between these asanas that you're giving your time rest this all this new sort of healthy fresh um, oxygenated blood comes into the organs and as well as prana from your breath and it's like um it's rejuvenating yeah this is so great. Thank you so much, Dr. Amitha, for coming on today. Really wealth of knowledge on Ayurveda. And I know listeners are wondering how can they learn more about you and work with you and your team? Uh, yeah, sure. Um, uh, VedicHealth.org. Uh, so you're is, local in DMV, right? Yep. We're located in Rockville, Maryland. Rockville. Okay. Uh, we have a center, Ayurvedic center. We do all kinds of Ayurvedic uh, uh, therapies there, ancient therapies, health consultations. We do energy healing. We do counseling. Um, and we also offer uh, hatha yoga, which is a very traditional form of yoga. It's focused on you know healing and uh, highly uh, therapeutic. Uh, we also offer these deep breathing pranayama classes, meditation classes. So we're kind of like you know Eastern health all under one umbrella in That's one great. location. 
And and Vedic Health is V-E-D-I-C Health dot org. Dot org. org. Okay, That's right. Got it. Great. VedicHealth.org. Dr. Amitha Jane, thank you so much for coming on today and uh, pleasure. Thank, thank you, you so, much. so much, Dr. Wong. This was wonderful. I, I, I uh, seldom get a chance to talk about these things, so it's just it was great to be here and chat with you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for joining us today for this episode of Capital Integrative Health Podcast. A quick reminder that the information we share in this podcast is meant for educational and informational purposes only. It's not a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. We highly recommend that you speak to a qualified healthcare provider before making any medical or healthcare decisions. If you enjoy this episode, please take a few moments to subscribe and leave us a review. Your reviews help us reach more people and continue to offer innovative insights and information to better optimize your health and wellness.